standing in the bedroom of one of my former students. Seemingly overnight, she disappeared without a trace. Through this podcast, we hope to find her. This is what it must feel like to live inside a photograph. A moment frozen in time like some stop-motion sleight of hand where you're standing on a moving sidewalk. Everyone else is just puttering about, doing their thing, going about their day. The walls are covered in concert posters, there's a t-shirt hanging on the back of the computer chair, a teacup on the desk, the bag has been removed and it's sitting dry and shriveled beside a spoon that seems to be stuck to the table, a textbook lies open. Page 162, it's math, advanced functions, and there's a notebook with a few definitions highlighted in yellow. Below that some doodles, a half-solved problem, then more doodles, and just to my right, a cork board serves as the home to about a hundred or so Polaroid pictures, most of them candids, girls drinking milkshakes, a shirtless dude diving into a lake, two kids standing in front of a canoe with life jackets on, and someone with hoodie strings pulled tight around their face. I recognize some of them, Others I've never seen before. Charlie was in my grade 8 class. She was a force to be reckoned with. Calm, cool, collected, introverted, yet able to burst out of her shell. She had this uncanny ability to just flip the switch. Turn the dial play the role and then shut it all off in an instant. She was a voracious reader, an effortless writer, an academic, an accomplished musician. I often wondered what she would be when she grew up. In her words, a criminologist. In mine, fat chance of that. At graduation, she swept up the Arts Award with ease. I cried during my speech. We'd all seen that coming from a mile away. It was no secret I'd had a tough year. Family troubles, a serious medical scare, a new baby, and far too big a workload. The songs were a kind of therapy. On days that seemed too fast and too tough, it was a chance to sit back, listen, shut off for a while. She was never without an instrument. She'd often play covers sitting cross-legged on the floor or on top of a table and would take requests so long as they were, one, reasonable, two, 
in her wheelhouse, and three within the scale of her vocal range. Criminology was not in her bones in the way that music was in her blood. That year, her mother requested a transfer. She was a teacher too. It was accepted, and in short time, I found myself with a new colleague and a new friend. She taught grade six, I taught grade eight, and the following year, we were stuck together teaching splits. Sand and water, mud we called it, able to join forces when necessary, yet strong enough to stay apart and stand on our own two feet. Our families grew close, and this is how I came to find myself standing in the bedroom of a missing student, an absent family friend. Deirdre, D for short, was standing in the doorway, arms crossed, head turned, staring vacantly down the hallway. How? Ask a mother to reopen her deepest wound. How do you ask a friend to look for an answer that she might not want to find? She'd agreed to do this podcast on one condition, that when she said stop, we'd stop. That was the deal. Those were the terms. And here we were, awkwardly setting up a makeshift interview space. I struggled to pin the lav mic. Take one didn't go so well. Take two wasn't much better. Take three, we shed some tears. Take four, it happened again. And by take five, we decided that maybe this, maybe this was just a bit too close to home. She apologized profusely. I told her it was okay, told her it was my fault that I should have known better than to cut so close to home, but she was staunch in her determination that something, something had to be said. She took out her phone and found this. It's definitely not the interview we had planned, but it is a letter. A letter that Dee Dee wrote on the eve of her daughter's graduation. It's a one-take recording. A practice session filmed in front of the mirror in the upstairs bathroom. A recorded clip of the letter in the event that reading it live and in person was just a bit too hard to deal with. How do you say these things? She kept it in an individual folder, a notes file entitled, My Hopes and dreams for you. In the end, it's definitely not an interview, but it's probably the most important thing that needed to be said on that day. We're going to play the entirety of that recording now. Dear Charlie, Remember how I told you that on your kindergarten registration form, there were three lines to write other information you would like us to know about your child? And I wrote three pages. Now you've lived four times as long and it doesn't get any easier. How can I put into words all of my hopes and dreams for you? How proud and in awe I am of you. How do I give you all the words of advice and wisdom to save you from future pain and heartbreak? How do I tell you that 
You are a huge chunk of my heart living outside of my body. It's impossible. I can only make an attempt and then hope beyond hope that I have in my words and actions throughout your lifetime shown you all of these things in some small way. So here is my feeble attempt. First of all, I hope you know that you are an answered prayer. When I prayed for my first child, I secretly hoped for a girl who would be smart, kind, beautiful, and talented. God answered that prayer and went above and beyond in each of those areas. I prayed for a decade so frustrated that my plan was taking so long. Little did I know that God's plan was so much bigger and better than I could have even hoped for. I am so grateful that I was chosen to be your mom. Honestly, I'm a bit intimidated that I was picked to guide such a smart and talented person through this life. I try my best knowing that I often fail and that many times we are slogging through this together. But I hope at each turn and decision, I'm making the choices that will be best for you in the end. You are such a remarkable lady in so many ways. You consistently surprise me with your intelligence, your passion for everything and sometimes for nothing, and your talent. The wisdom, the common sense and awareness you demonstrate daily is phenomenal and will be highly beneficial to you throughout your life. Your innate intelligence along with your life experiences (laughs) and your vicarious experiences from the copious reading that you do all the time will serve you well in life. I am frequently taken aback by your sophisticated thinking and your effortless articulation. I try to reconcile the young lady I see before me and the mature thoughts and words coming out of you, but it's difficult because you understand and process ideas well beyond your years. I hope you don't ever take your intelligence and abilities for granted. I want you to continue to work hard at school and learning, to push and challenge yourself academically and intellectually. But remember, intelligence without ambition, that's like a bird without wings. You can't rest on your brain power. Willpower and motivation must also continue to be part of your equation. If your intelligence is coupled with the passion you exude for many major and trivial, like vests should be banned, ideals or, or whims, then you have a combination that will be unbeatable when you decide that something needs to be done. Your ability to be ardent and vehement in your support or opposition to any given topic is a rare talent at your age. And you should continue to stoke your passionate responses to values and ideals that you hold sacred and important. Too many people just don't care. Their care factor stops at their own front door and they 
can't look beyond the mirror of their own world. You, my dear Charlie, you open your heart and mind to all people. Your care factor seems at the same time bottomless, yet overflowing. You will change lives and right the wrongs and injustices of others with your passion and articulation. If you add your innate talents to this mix of smarts and passion, you will be a force to reckon with. Your singing talents should not be underestimated by you or anyone else. When you sing, you have the ability to soften hearts and hard edges, to soothe souls and provide peace and escape from a challenging moment. Your singing can create a space for people to look deep into themselves, conjure up emotions and inspire passion in others. Personally, I am never so at peace as when I hear you sing. You know that hearing you sing has always had a healing, magical quality for me. The melody and tones of your singing and playing instantly erases any wrinkles in my day and immediately brings a smile to my face. In fact, as I write this, you are upstairs in your room singing and playing the uke, and it is, frankly, distracting as I try to get this job done. But I want to go and sit by you and listen and just be. I want to be transported away to that calm, serene place in my soul that smiles and sighs a huge, satisfied and contented sigh when I hear you sing. I can't explain how your music touches a spot deep inside of me. There is power in music. You have that power. The fact is, Charlie, you have been blessed with a rare combination of exceptional qualities and talents. You are equal parts left brain and right brain. You have mathematical, rational, and analytical qualities combined with creative, literary, and musical skills. You have great power to influence change. I hope you wield that power thoughtfully and carefully. There is a greater good in life, and I hope you always fight for that side. I love you so much, Charlie. I'm so proud of the person you are becoming. I hope you live a full, happy life, healthy and satisfied. I hope you know the joys of finding love and becoming a mom. I hope you experience success beyond your wildest dreams. I hope you appreciate and give thanks to a higher power. I hope you continue to see beauty in all things big and small, exciting and mundane, loud and silent. I hope you never take anything for granted. I hope you know that you are a beautiful and amazing gift. I hope you know that I will love you for always and forever, no matter what. Always, always, always believe that.
love you more. Mom. So, that's it. Here's where we currently find ourselves. We're not really sure how one goes about doing something like this. How to begin, where to look, how much work needs to be done, but if there is one thing that can be said for certain, we're going to have to try. Stocks and Stones was produced by us, an impassioned group of teachers, students, colleagues, but most importantly, close, close friends. This episode wouldn't have been possible without the knowledge and expertise of our co-producers, Deb Brechevik and Beth Wilson, sonical inspiration from our musical director, Carney Brechevik. Supplementary music for this episode was provided by Marmoset. The song featured was The Woods by Colby Wade. I'm Colin Pattison. Until next time, this has been Stocks and Stones. <laughs>